Have you ever spent your energy putting yourself out there? Applying for jobs, sending out applications, sending out sales pitches, contacting people, continually putting yourself out there to be continuously rejected. How do you keep going despite the rejection? We are all going to face it as we try to get a new role, try to build a business, launch a side hustle, whatever it is you're trying to do. There is one thing I guarantee you will face, and that is rejection. This episode is all about how you keep on going to build your business. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast and today is a very special episode because Patrick, the podcast manager, is on the show to deal with some of his frustrations about business and life, which I think a lot of you will have experienced as well. So welcome back to the show, Patrick, the podcast manager. Thank you. Third time's the charm, I guess. Isn't that the third time on, right? <laughs> we did the one about proposals, which yeah. I know that that changed things for you dramatically. And we've been on a couple of other little bits together, definitely. So tell me, what inspired you to say we need to talk? What inspired you to ask me to do an actual coaching episode with you? It's mainly been because I've just been getting my butt kicked during the interview process while working for contracts. Because it's one of those weird things when you're trying to get contracts where like, you're, you're your own business, you know, you're your own person making your own income. But at the same time, it feels like you're constantly doing job interviews. It's not like it's a face to face meeting where you're trying to sell them. Well, you are trying to sell them, but they lay out questions for you that you answer in like a very weird manner if that makes it feels more like an interview than like trying to have a meeting about receiving business interesting because so just as a frame for everyone and you i believe pretty much anything you are doing in life is sales i don't care what it is if it's a job interview you are selling yourself to someone who needs to pay someone to do something so you have to sell yourself above all the other candidates If you're trying to win a contract, you're selling yourself. If you have your own business, you're selling yourself. If you want to go and watch a romantic comedy versus an action movie with your girlfriend, you are selling that movie to them to get them to come to it. So I pretty much believe everything in life is a sales process. And the question is, how well are you selling yourself? I think I'm doing a decent job of selling myself. But one thing that's popped up is like, I'm a very, as you know, I'm a very niche industry. And for example, when I interviewed to work for you, I believe something that sort of gave me a leg up on other people was that in the past I had started my own business and I was trying to manage the podcast for the Rebel Entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was a good fit. But I had a pretty like frustrating interview a couple weeks ago, I would say at this point, where essentially I was told because... I am a, like, I'm not certified, and I don't want to divulge too much about the company, but because I don't have a certified license in a certain industry. You can tell us the industry. You need to tell us the industry, like this 
it was a real estate podcast. And they said, because I wasn't essentially like a licensed real estate agent that I didn't have a chance. They, they still took me in the interview, but then they were like, you do like just a heads up, like you're probably not going to get pushed through because you have no like real estate connections. And okay. it was just, it, that was the second interview. The first one like felt very good. I was like very confident in it. I thought I had it in the bag. And then, yeah, I get that phone call. And I guess what was the most frustrating part for me was, you know, this wasn't really listed in the application requirements. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, but I don't really appreciate you taking both of our time and essentially telling me like, hey, you're not getting this. Sorry, buddy. And I was just like, I remember just getting off the phone and being like, this is one of the more like I I just I just felt like it was I was like, well, what a complete waste of time. And I got my hopes up for nothing there. That's really frustrating when that yeah. happens. One slight reframe. So what we're talking about here is objections. And in the sales process, there comes a stage where you're talking to someone about doing something, a product or a service, and then they put an objection in front of you. And the objection here is you don't really have any real estate experience. Yeah. So you are probably not going to get the job. That is an objection. Now you have several ways you can respond to that <laughs> i guarantee you i responded the wrong way when the time <laughs> came up <laughs> i was just like uh okay like i don't i don't know what to say well that kind of yeah okay you're accepting their objection so you're saying okay i agree with you okay i probably won't get it then because you're right i don't have real estate experience and quite often for me every objection is a buying signal because when they say you haven't got something right, what they're doing is testing in their mind whether it is actually a good fit or not and giving you an opportunity to respond to it. If they didn't okay. want you to respond to it, they would have just said this isn't going to work out or not interviewed you at all. Yeah. And now that I kind of think about it, I think it may have been like a professional courtesy that I even got that interview in the first place because I got recommended by somebody. But I, I see the point where you're making <laughs> it's an objection. They may have been testing me and I was just totally unprepared. I remember going on sales interviews when I was a little bit younger. God, that makes me sound so old. But anyway, I went on some sales interviews when I was younger. Oh, and was a little bit, sorry. They, <laughs> let's not go there. It's nothing to do with a. And they would purposefully throw objections at you to see how you would handle them. And their thought was, when you're going out to sell, you are going to be faced with objection, rejection, objection, rejection. That's what you're going to have to face. So we're going to test you and put a few in them. And in those interviews, they expect you to find a way to respond to them. And there are many ways to respond. So number one is accepting it. And you just accept it and go, okay, that's not going to work. And that's the end of it. Number two is the accept and reframe which is my favorite way to deal with any objection. And it is, you're absolutely right. I don't have that specific real estate experience. And that's why I think I would be good for this role. All right. Well, that already sounds better than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the, I don't care what the objection is. This is something that everyone listening can use to this is accepting what they're saying and then coming up with that's the reason why you should hire me. So let's take this as an example. Like, okay, so I don't have that real estate experience. 
However, I have all the podcast experience and that lack of experience, I actually think makes me the perfect person to be able to do this for you because I will be coming from the beginner's mindset, such as your audience. Okay. So as opposed to being another like expert, I'm coming at it from a perspective that could have like made some of the content more understandable to a new listener. Yes, and asked the right questions and added value and found the experts that really collect with your audience. Like my beginner's mindset is what's going to help me deliver value for your podcast. Okay. And then you stop and stare at them and see how they respond. I wish I could have stared. It was a phone call. (laughs) It's a virtual stare on a phone call. It's the (laughs) silence that makes it hit. But does that make sense, the reframe? Yeah, so basically make your... I wish I was quick enough to think on the spot like you just did there, but essentially making your weakness a strength in their eyes or in some capacity. Okay. Would you say there's ever a downside to doing that? I mean, is there ever a point where you're really just kind of shooting yourself in the foot by saying something like that? Well, the third option you have is to try and persuade them you do have the real estate experience they're looking for. So you can accept their comment and quit. You can accept their comment and reframe it as a positive Or you can fight their comment and say, no, you have got experience. You've done this deal. You've worked with your dad on this. And you can go through your database of everything you've done with real estate in your head and say, well, I have done this and I've looked at this and I've tried this and I've experimented with this and read this. And actually, I think I've got the experience alongside the podcast stuff that I will be able to use for you. So your third option is to argue it. That's challenging depending on whether you have actually got some relevant experience to be able to use. Yeah, I produced a podcast about relocation, like people moving from one place to another. And I tried to use that in the moment, like after after being like, oh, well, I don't have. And then I was like, but I did like, yeah, X, Y, and Z. And then they were like, yeah, that's not enough. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely wish I could have done a better job. And honestly, like whenever I go to one of these meetings, I wish I had your brain because you, I feel like you would have handled that way better than I would have handled that. And it's a little tough to like, I, I, I see it like on the back end, if that makes sense. I, I, it's when it's too late is when I realize like, okay, I should have done this X, Y, and Z, as opposed to just sort of improvising in the moment and being ready. And it wasn't like I didn't prepare for that interview. I put about six hours into getting ready for that thing. Wow. Yeah. So I think three thoughts for you, Patrick. The first thought is it doesn't always go well for me. Like there are times where I do sales meetings where it doesn't go well. And you just get this feeling of, okay, this isn't going anywhere. And now I'm a little bit older and more confident. I call that earlier and I get out. And I would say to them, look, I don't have that experience. I see that as a positive if you don't, that's okay. Just tell me now and we won't continue this. I'll save your time and my time. And I would call it. Like it doesn't always go perfectly is the first thought. That's okay. And you just need to call it and move on sometimes. I don't always have all of the information, the ideas at the ready, but I have the structure. And the structure is let me tell you why your objection is exactly the why you should hire me. And then on the spot, having said that sentence, I've bought myself enough time to be able to come up with a reason 
and to be able to go back to them and say, okay, the reason is this. But I have mm-hmm. the structure in my head to be able to use it. And this is the same for all sales. It's about having that structure that allows you to put your creativity in the moment to it. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I think over like my guest appearances, we're realizing I might not just be the best salesman. <laughs> <laughs> this is a skill to learn. This is a life skill that will help you in every area of your yeah, life. Which so is like, important. Before I started working on this podcast full time, I was a salesman. So it's like, I should be doing a better job. Maybe I'm rusty. I'm not sure. But yeah, I definitely need to work on sales as a skill. (laughs) If you've got a full-time job and you're listening to this, learn about sales because it will help you sell yourself when you're coming to get a raise. It'll help you sell yourself. You sell your ideas when you're pitching you want to do a certain thing. It will help you in every area of life. So I don't care whether you've got a job, you're a contractor, you're running your own business, It does not matter. Sales is a skill that will help you to improve. The third point, which I think is so critical, is have you ever been to see stand-up comedy? Uh, I've watched a bunch of it on Netflix, but I've never been like in a physical audience. Okay. You know the concept of hecklers. Yeah. So people from the audience shout out random stuff to throw the comedian off course and abuse them, make people laugh, all of that sort of stuff. How quickly does it look as though the comedian comes up with an off-the-cuff comment that cuts them down in an instant? That's I've watched compilations on YouTube. It's amazing to me how quickly they can do that. It's phenomenal, isn't yeah. it? The first time they stood up in front of an audience and someone heckled them, do you think they were that smooth? No. I think it probably went pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. The first time you get heckled, you're like, oh, what do I do? Like a deer in the headlights and you panic. What do you think they do after the show? Probably I would, if I'm going off like what my personal experience would be, if I had that happen to me, I think I would sulk about it for like 15 minutes and then spend the rest of my life like just envisioning me owning them back. Like when I'm alone at bed, I'd just be like, oh, if I said this, I would have got them. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I guess in some form of way is practicing. In some form of way. Let me give you a slightly better version. There's a very famous comedian in the UK called Jimmy Carr who is known for his audience interaction. Katie and I have seen him live a couple of times And his ability to interact with the audience quickly is phenomenal. His process is, if he hears a heckle, a comment that he's not heard before, after the show, he writes five to ten answers down of how he could respond to that. Then he tests it next time to see how it works. So he's constantly developing that repertoire, that connection, the ideas of how to come back quickly. But that's the piece that people don't do in interviews, in pitching, in selling. The first time you pitch, the person in front of you is going to say something you're not expecting. Write that down, come up with five answers that you think could work, and let's test one the next time they say it. And you're constantly developing your ability. So when someone says you don't have this experience... The only reason I know how to say like, oh, try this sentence is because I have been to those interviews where people tell me I don't have that experience. And one of the first times I ever pitched Rebel Business School, I was with my partner, Simon. And the first thing they said was, you don't have this particular qualification. 
And that particular one didn't go well. But then I was able to go away and think about it and then say, actually, well, the reason you're hiring me is not because my qualification, because I have actually started businesses. And then I have a perfect answer for why we're the right people to do this, not what they're looking for. Does it work always? No. But it gives me a far better conversion rate over the long run of these interviews, which kind of brings me to the next point, which is it's a numbers game. Actually, you can say this about life. It's a numbers game. I don't care what it is, selling, pitching, interviews. You're going to have to kiss a few frogs to find the one that turns into the one you actually want. And every time you do, you will get better and better and smoother and more confident and more developed answers if you do what we're doing now which is brainstorm possible answers to their objections. And then next time it comes up, you are ready. See, that's the, I guess that's, that might be the source of my frustration. Because as you just mentioned, it's sort of like a numbers game. And as you go along, you get better and better at it. I can't tell you how many interviews I've had over like the past year alone, just trying to go grow business. And I've noticed that a majority of the success I've managed to have is because of the initial tip you've taught me which was reach out to them first as opposed to just blankly sending an email and hoping they get back to you (laughs) yes that's a top (laughs) tip definitely everyone listening to that that is hugely important yeah but uh an issue i've realized has come up like a lot is that businesses or companies or whoever could just be like one person making a podcast in their basement, their contracts. So it's the wild west out there. um, I've, I've learned that a lot of the time they won't list their business or they won't list like a phone number so I can reach out. So that was one of the main questions I wanted to ask you today is how would you recommend approaching something like that where I can't make initial contact like face-to-face or I guess voice-to-voice I prefer to call them up but how do I stand out in a way that gets their attention if I am just blankly sending an email out because like 70% of the listings out there aren't gonna list some form of way to contact them before you even can submit your resume so let's go through this in steps because I totally agree businesses out there are becoming more and more difficult to connect with and they don't list phone numbers. They don't actually want you to connect with them. They kind of, yeah, yeah it becomes very frustrating as a as someone who wants to work with people. However, there is a step-by-step to do this. Step one, can we internet research this baby and find them? Occasionally they leave breadcrumbs. Occasionally there's ways to find an email, a phone number, a different thing. So step one, can we internet research them? If that doesn't work, step two, can we find them on LinkedIn? You know, type in their name. You've got a rough idea of their location probably or some, you've got a couple of details. See if you can find them on LinkedIn or social media. That gives you a hint to where they are and what's happening. All of this is down to, can we connect in some kind of a personal way to increase our chances of being the person they interview? And your entire job, Patrick, is to somehow get them on the phone, get (laughs) contact with them somehow. That's not always possible. Did you listen to the Patrick Venn episode about his LinkedIn video method? Yeah, like DM them some video messages. That way it's like a little bit different. And you actually had Christina do one on air, correct? 
Yes, exactly. It was yes. fully uncomfortable, but fun. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you've used Patrick Venn's video technique, I would love to hear from you about how it's working in the Wild West out there or not. Please do tell me. But his tip of leaving an actual message with nothing else in there other than a video, like these platforms allow you to send videos, to send content, to send different things to people. Record a three-minute video saying, hi, I'm Patrick. Love your podcast. I love what you're doing. I'd love to work from you. I think I can bring this to the table. Just let me have a chat to you. That's all I'm asking or something like that. Or tell me what the next step is to show how much value I can add. Something. We just, you've just got to stand out from the crowd on this stuff. And it becomes so annoying and frustrating because you're pitching with thousands of other people out there. Yeah. You've got to find a way to stand out from the crowd. And I don't care whether that's video, audio, doing a pole dance and sending it to them. It doesn't matter. Like, We've just got to find a way to stand out. Does that make sense? Yeah, minus the pole dancing, because I definitely don't have the athletic capabilities for that. (laughs) (laughs) I I hear what you're saying. So I need to be different. One method is Patrick's Venn's, which honestly, I thought about using that a couple days ago when I was applying for another contract, and I decided not to until you, I spoke to you. why. Tell me why, why I'm dying to know. To. Yeah. I wanted to, well, it was also like a very, I guess, serious organization. They want to be like, like again, I don't want it. They're related to crypto. And I tried reaching out to their phone number and their phone number was just a deadline. I emailed them. I didn't hear back from them. I found the show's host on LinkedIn. So I am the advice you're giving me. We must, you're doing I think it. you're rubbing off on me a little bit. Yeah. And I got to his profile and I saw that he was posting like once every six months. And then I was like, well, I could talk to Alan on this about how to like see if there's any other way to contact him because it appears he's not using his LinkedIn. It appears he's not using, they're not even using their company phone number and they haven't gotten back to me at all about my application. And I'm kind of a bot, like when I do this, I feel like I'm in that, once I send in the application, I feel like I'm kind of dead in the water, if that makes sense. Like if I yes. if I want to make initial contact with them after the applications, and if I'm calling them up, that's kind of annoying. But if I'm calling them before I even submit my application and saying like, hey, I'm super interested to work here. I'd love to know what I can do to maybe stand out, maybe speak to somebody, like whatever I can do to become an ideal candidate, let me know and I'll gladly submit my application. And that's sort of how I initially like break the contact but like i said earlier once that application's in you're kind of like i feel like i'm pestering them at that point so that's one of the reasons why i didn't reach out to him on linkedin was because i had already submitted the application i didn't want to be like the annoying kid trying to get them to pay me patrick there's no reason why you can't send him a message saying i've submitted the application do him a video say submitted the application i've looked at your business I am fascinated by what what you're doing. I can add value in this way, this way, and this way. Okay. Please read the uh, please read my pitch because I know <laughs> you probably got a lot. I'm just dying to chat to you and work with you. And doing something oh. positive like that. How can you get offended by that? Someone who's keen to work for you. How can you get offended? I don't know, man. If I was in the Avengers, my superpower would be having good intentions but offending people anyways. That's like that's <laughs> the one thing I'm super good at. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but I, yeah, I guess I, I guess, yeah, I just have to man up and do it in some capacity, I guess. Do you want to do it now? Should we hit pause so you can do the video now and send it to him? Uh, I did not because I got an email back from him saying that, thank you for the application, but we are going with a different direction. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. I'll cut, I'll cut that out to inspire hope. But. No, no, no. <laughs> don't do that. This podcast is all about honesty and it happens. Yeah. So keep like keep this in exactly as we've said it. It's actually really important for people to know it doesn't always work. And they did at least reply to you, which is actually better than most organizations out there at the moment, which seem to like to blank everyone. Yeah. So that's positive. It's a shame they went with another direction. Next time, just send the video. Just stick out right away. Just do it right away. I've got two thoughts I want to give you. One is their considerations. What happens with everyone out there, including me, when I'm thinking about ringing someone, when I'm thinking about, should I follow up? Should I send a video? Should I do this? My head likes to come up with reasons why they don't want me to do it. So I go, well, like they don't use their LinkedIn very often, or I don't want to pester them, or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to offend them, or it's late in the afternoon, I should do it tomorrow, or like consideration, consideration, consideration. And I project my considerations onto them as they're real. Do I know as a fact whether I'm going to be pestering them or not? No, you don't. What's the only way to know? <laughs> to pester them? <laughs> to ask them. Yeah, to reach out. The only way is to ask them. Like, literally, you could send them a video. Look, I didn't know whether I should follow up this quickly. I was worried about pestering you, but actually I decided to do it anyway because I'm really excited to work for you. Okay. You get that kind of message. What are you going to think? This is someone who already cares about the job and he doesn't even have it yet. Yes, or yeah. they're pestering me, get lost. Either way is a great decision because you don't want to work with that person anyway. But like, we need to reach out. The other considerations of like, oh, okay, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. I shouldn't ring them. They might be busy like it's late in the afternoon. Is that my consideration or theirs? That one doesn't stop me. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. I'll call them whenever. Do you get that message, that idea of most of the problems about contacting people are actually in our head, not theirs? Yeah, self-made doubt. So we need to bypass those. And if we've got any worry, we ask them and we say to them like, okay, I didn't know whether I should do this. So I'm asking <laughs> and yeah. frame the question and connect with them. Or you just do it and say, look, I'm following up because I really want to connect with you. I've looked up your business. I've looked up your podcast. I'm fascinated by what you do. I think I can add great value with what we're doing. So that piece about considerations should I pester them? Should I video message them? Should I not? All of us, every one of you listening to this podcast has to let go of your considerations and trust that the other person will tell you if it's the wrong time to speak. If you ring me and I am busy, Patrick, what will I do? Tell me you're busy. Yeah, or probably just ignore the call and I'll get back to you later because <laughs> I'm true. having breakfast with my wife or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. That's up to me to say whether it's the right time or not. It's not up to you. Okay. So it's the responsibility doesn't lay on me to determine whether or not I should be reaching out. So I might as well reach out anyways. Exactly. I like that. 
like you just phrasing it like that makes me like it kind of washes away the uncomfortableness of it. It shouldn't be uncomfortable because it's up to them to say if they're busy and it's up to you to contact them and say, I really want to work for you. And if they are genuinely looking to hire someone and make it happen, they should be happy to hear from you. Look, someone's passionate about my business and wants to do the work and wants to be part of this. That should be exciting. And if it's not, something's broken. So let's move on positively. I've got one more thought for you here. I used to do a lot of work for the M3 Job Club. And I loved working there. And I did a lot of work helping people who were out of work find work. A large portion of what I did was about how to present yourself in interview. But also I did a lot about connecting with people, finding opportunities, and what's called the hidden job market. Have you heard of the hidden job market? Maybe. I think I'm in it right now, technically, as a freelance podcast producer. (laughs) It's not quite what I meant, but I like where you're going. Um, The job market in your terms is the contracts that get posted on the services saying, I want someone. And that's the same as a company posting going, I'm looking to, to hire someone. That's the job market that gets advertised. Before it gets to that stage... Let's take an actual business. So an actual business looking to hire an employee, what's the first place they look for employees? Like LinkedIn, job postings, employment postings, temp agencies. I'm not sure. I'm just giving you as many answers as I can because I have literally no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're trying to hire someone, what's the important things you're looking for? That they're qualified and know how to do the job that you are hiring them to do will be cost efficient essentially they know how to do the job they've got good energy and actually most people nowadays it's like do we have a cultural fit because the skills you can learn but do we have a cultural fit do i trust this person when you go out to a job posting like how do you get to know if someone's got the skills or you can trust them well a resume b interview C, employment verification, like in that order. Yeah. And is that an easy, quick process to find out? No, I imagine it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It sucks for the person hiring as much as it does for the person trying to get the job. Like it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So if someone's trying to hire someone, They will do anything they can to avoid having to put out a listing, having to hire from the general market, because it's so much work. So if you get there, so where would they go to find people? Oh, references from other employers or friends or people they know, correct? Yeah, so they'd reach out to their friends, they'd reach out to their network, they might think through the people they've worked with in the past. They might speak to people, but it's way easier to hire someone. They might say to their team at work, oh, do you know anyone who's good at this? Like we're thinking of hiring and the job's gone before it even hits the market. The hidden job market then. That's Mm -hmm. what it is? Yes. Okay. So why would I bother doing this process if I could find someone I know and trust from my network? Honestly, that's how I'd go about it. It was like a guy I know would be hired Mm -hmm. or a girl I know equal opportunity employer here Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's so that's what the hidden job market is it's people filling positions before they even become public for others to fill positions 
Exactly. And they reckon that's 80% of roles. Jeez. So Jeez. you are fighting with everyone else there out there to get 20% of roles. And the competition is huge. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were ending on a positive note. That scares the hell out of me. <laughs> 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 what was that? <laughs> Okay. But I'd so, rather have the realist of the situation, the realistic situation. If someone's put out there they want a podcast editor, they've already checked their network. They've already <laughs> tried to hire in different ways. They've already spoken to people. And then like the last ditch effort is I'm going to go on people per hour or I'm going to go on Upwork and put a posting out there. Then how many responses do you think they get? Oh, like a million. Every, it's like there's at least a hundred if it's a reasonably reasonable reasonably paying job at least a hundred so as 100. the person hiring when you get a hundred responses what do you do i mean if it was yes me. that's the noise that is the noise it's like oh how hard is it to read all of them probably pretty hard especially when they include like six questions for you to answer mm-hmm. uh, so what do me. you do what is the employer? What would you do? I've got to whittle this list down. People with the most experience stay. People with the least experience leave. Start cutting based on like merits like that. Yeah, you just start yeah. cutting any way you can to try and get the list down because you cannot cope with it all. So you're like, okay, I'm going to cut on like previous feedback. I'm going to cut on like depending on what platform it is, number of stars they've got, anyone below 4.9. Like I just I can't read them all, so I just need some metric to reduce the number. And let me give you a terrible example of this. There was a recruiter, not a recruiter, a recruiter at a company who they put a job out. They got more applications than he could ever, ever read. So what he did was take the pile, split it in two, and throw half straight in the bin. Ugh. And then he like... Someone said, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And he said, well, I don't want to hire unlucky people anyway. That's so disrespectful, though, to other people. I get that I get that you have to do it, but it's just like... It's a horrible, people, isn't it? Yeah. Like, if I'm seeing that I'm very likely could be one person on the bottom of a half pile just getting yucked out with the garbage. <laughs> like, and you put so- effort into writing a letter. You've- you put effort into doing an application. You've spent your time on that. It's really... It's dreadful. It's horrible. Yeah. And a lot of these companies want you to put in, like, you take your resume and you have to, like, re-enter. It's like a two-hour process half the time just to get it in. That makes me sad, but it's the realest approach and we need to work with it. The best way we can do this is take what exists rather than get offended by it and then do everything we can to work with the system exists because we, you and I are not going to change that. We're not going to change what happens. We just need to play within that system that exists at the moment. So having learned all this stuff about the hidden job market, the number of people applying, the reaction for the recruiter going, oh, how do I deal with 100 applications? What are you going to do differently? Well, the first part of what I do is going to stay exactly the same because that was your original advice. Where like I'm going to try to reach out beforehand. I'm going to try to speak to someone before I submit the applications. That way I have somebody who's kind of like a contact. And then second off... As opposed to like giving up if I and just submitting the application if I can't get that in, I'm gonna start branching off into different. I would probably say LinkedIn would probably be the best place to go because that's gonna be the place that lets me connect with someone personally. I'll send mm-hmm. them a video message. 
Maybe I'll even send them a text message once things get casual after that video has been played. But I'll just have that extra layer of trying to contact them for the position. And then the final bit for me will probably be knowing that being a recruiter is just as bad as being a applicant in some instances. So maybe just hang up the cleats sooner than expected if I'm not really hearing much. Like I won't bank on being like, oh, they're going to email me in a week. Like I'll just move on and start hunting for other opportunities at that point. And is the positive, like we have to be 100% positive and out there and focused and we yeah. will work to find it, but we have to move on quickly and keep being positive. You're absolutely right. You just need to keep going with uber positivity. Uber positivity. It's so weird. <laughs> I'm still like, I was definitely a pessimist before I met you. And now I'm like, a. I wouldn't say I'm a glass half full kind of guy, but I'd say like there's water in the glass. I wouldn't There's say water. it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. The uh, recovering pessimist, I think, is your new term, Patrick. We're working on it. There is one final thing I want you to get from this. What? Is that? If 80% of the job market is hidden, how much of the job market is your current strategy targeting? Oh, wow. I would probably say about. 30% if I had to make a guess because they're like a majority of my interviews and employment opportunities come from that 20% that are posted. But I have a small network. I don't have like a huge network. I have you obviously who's introduced me to some people who have hired me. I have other hosts who have introduced me to some people that haven't worked out. And then I have other contacts back in Boston, but they're a bit... I live in Colorado now, so that's not really... Like I can use them to the degree that I would use them previously. But yeah, I'd say about 30% of that market is what I can tap into. So how do you expand that number? How do you reach more of the hidden market? You go network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is honestly, uh, it's, things are getting so <laughs> so dire for me that I think if I, I'm going to Austin this weekend for a bachelor party and everyone's going go-karting, I might just try to find a networking event just pop into a place in texas and be like anybody need a podcast producer hi i'm pat <laughs> i think you've got a higher value use of your time there so i would say go and enjoy your bachelor party enjoy the moment never give that up have fun do it it's good for your soul it's good for the people and then there's no reason why you can't mention to your friends and the people you meet right i'm currently looking for a new position yeah, And then we get into the territory of, do you know anyone who's got a podcast? Do you know anyone who's hiring on this type of stuff? And we need to like make use of the network to connect with this stuff. If we don't do that, if we don't use the network, we'll never find the opportunities. Okay. How many of your friends' contacts have you told that you're looking for another position, extra work, another podcast? By now, probably about 20. About 20. Yeah. I'm assuming you know more than 20 people. Uh, yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is a good thing to start doing? Start telling more people that I'm looking for podcast work opportunities. Yes. 
and connecting with them, chatting to them, con- like connect with your network and all of the people out there. Ask them how they are. Ask them what they're up to. Tell them what you're up to. Connect with these people because there are opportunities out there. We're just not seeing them right now. We're only seeing the ones on the platform like everyone else out there. All right. Well, yeah, now you've given me two tools. It's actually very useful. You get to use the contact them before everyone on the platform contacts them in one way, which is just reaching out to them on socials and email. And then the other way is get to know them before they even post a job. (laughs) So I guess it's just a matter of me putting that together. It really is. It really is. And then there is a third method, which is the straightforward sales method of contacting podcasts you love, telling them you're an editor and reaching out when they don't even have, you don't even know if they need a lead. You don't even know if they want work. You don't even know what's going on. There's no reason why we can't start to do that with your favorite podcasts. In sales, that would be called the Dream 100 strategy, where you list the 100 people you would most like to work for, your dream clients, and then you message them. And you never know with that kind of thing at what time you contact them, what opportunities are out there. I think you've got yourself into a position of blinkers on. The only way to do it is through these platforms and apply for these jobs. And I'm in this hellish hole. And actually, you're stuck with a tiny percent of the jobs that are out there competing against everyone else around the world who's from all different countries in all different areas at all different prices. And it's uber competitive. It definitely is. <laughs> so I guess that's what I have to do. I just have to be different. Let's step out of this little sandbox you're playing in and look a little bit larger beyond just that one area. Okay. Should I say something else here? Sorry, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to absorb as much of this as possible. That's good. That's good. Just like, okay. We, it feels like you've just had your mind expanded to other opportunities. Well, I'm a little upset with myself because I'm like, just, I've been the cookie cutter boy the past six months. <laughs> like You don't know what you don't know. That's part of the issue. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff until people started telling me it. And then I'm like, oh, wow, How I didn't even know that. And we've never had this discussion. It actually took you getting to this point of frustration to then have this discussion to be, where do we go next? And born out of frustration, you start to ask the questions and you start to connect and you start to talk to people. And then you start to see a different world that you didn't even know existed. I'm very thankful for you sharing this with me today and taking the time out of our typical meeting time. Thank you for the advice. I'm definitely going to be putting it into practice over the coming weeks, and I will be happy to give you an update. You know what I'm going to ask now. Specifically, what are you going to do? Because there's no point doing any of this unless we specifically take action to make things happen. So tell me, what are the actual actions you are going to take over the next week? Based on the this. first action, which I'm going to take uh, after this all wraps up, is I'm going to call my dad's friend. He's a Ooh. family friend of ours, but he works in the radio space. And I'm honestly now kind of realizing I've always thought like, oh, he's in Boston. He wouldn't have anything around here for me because he's a live radio. But why would I not utilize that while I have it? Yeah, that's an yeah. amazing contact. <laughs> 
This is the perfect person. Awesome. That is a wonderful action. Do that and let's see where yeah. that goes. And he'll give you all sorts of ideas and all sorts of energy. And who knows where that goes? Yeah. Honestly, I'd love that job too. He gets free ski tickets from mountains looking to promote. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully it could go a good place. But Alan, thank you for taking the time to coach me again. I do appreciate it. Hopefully third time's the charm. And the next bits of advice I'll have to ask you for will only be like little 10 minute things and won't merit an entire podcast episode. But I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I think something I want to say to you and everyone else listening to this, Patrick, is life is one of these fascinating things where there's always a next level. You will never have it totally sorted. Things happen. Things change. Things go wrong. There is always a next level. And there is always a level of understanding to develop next. That's what makes life exciting. It's, there's always something to learn. So once you've learned about job interviews, you'll get a job and then you'll be going, okay, how do I manage my time more efficiently? Or how do I do this? Then you'll get promoted and you'll get given someone to work with. And then you'll start asking, how do I manage? How do I lead? And then you'll be leading a team of five. And then they'll give you like responsibility for the P&L, the profit and loss. And you'll be going, okay, I've never done this before. How do I manage P&L? How do I develop this? How do I develop that? And there's a new level. Then you'll start investing and you'll learn about that. There is always another level. So I think to everyone out there listening and you, Patrick, stop trying to figure it all out and get it done forever. Just get excited about doing the next little bit, make progress, and then learn the next bit. Because that's all life is, is learn, apply, learn, apply, learn, apply. And if you ever stop learning, it's game over. So it's okay to continually want to find more information and have more challenges. And if you do that, if you keep learning, applying, learning, applying, you will make progress. And with that positive energy, you will start to get where you want to get. And on that note, thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Please, Go out there, take action, and make things happen. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.